When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Dogs Podcast with your hosts, Blake Reniker, Justin Charles, John Nye, and Josh All. What's up, Browns fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs Podcast. If you want to get your intros on the show, head to the dogspodcast.com, tap the lead voicemail on the drop down menu. Uh, we love getting your thoughts on the show. We love uh, hearing you guys' voicemails and your intros, so please keep sending them in. Uh, I'm using a camera today, so I'm practicing looking at it, and then I keep looking down. So if you don't know what I'm looking at, I'm just trying to practice being on camera, but I'm not good at it yet. Uh, I like looking at Josh instead. Uh, today, it's just me and Josh, and we're joined by a very special guest. We're going to have Jake Burns from the Orange and Brown Report. You guys know what he does on uh, Twitter and TikTok, with his, or not TikTok, uh, YouTube, with his film breakdowns. He breaks down every game. It's a lot of good stuff. Uh, so if you guys are interested in that, stay tuned. We're going to have that right after this open, and it's an awesome discussion. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. Make sure you tap the notification bell so you never miss a new episode. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook. If you prefer to just listen to episodes, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, and Google. Lastly, if you're looking for more dogs content, head to jointhedogs.com, become an official dog pack member on our Patreon page, get access to the private Discord, extra episode every week. You get to play fantasy football with us. Uh, if you stick around till next year, because all the leagues are already full, obviously. We do weekly pick We give out merch every month. There's a lot of cool stuff in there. Uh, a big online Browns community. So it's a super cool place to hang out. You get to hang out with the dogs more often. So if you want more content, you want to hang out with us pretty much all the time, head to jointhedogs.com, become an official dog pack member. So as I mentioned in the open, we have a special guest with us here today, Jacob Burns from the Orange and Brown Report. You guys watch all of his stuff on YouTube, breaking down the Browns uh, games. You guys see his stuff on Twitter. We're super pumped to have him here today. Uh, we're going to ask him all about the offense. There's so much stuff going on in Browns Twitter right now. Uh Everybody's losing their minds. We were like, we need to get somebody on here who watches the tape, who breaks it down, who can really tell us what's going on with the Browns. Uh, it's awesome to have you here, man. We appreciate you taking time to join us here tonight. Hey, my pleasure. You know, I've, I've seen your guys' work before and like what you do. So anytime we can link up, I always appreciate it. Awesome, man. Well, we're just going to dive right into this, give the people what they want. Um, so I, if obviously we're all on Twitter. We all see what's going on in Browns' universe. Um I, I've never been – I'm not saying uh, Stefanski is the perfect coach or the best coach, but I've always defended him in terms of what what I would consider unfair criticism. I think uh, he's kind of had the deck stacked against him at times in terms of who he has playing quarterback for him, injuries he's dealt with, kind of chaos he's had to deal with and stuff like that. 
Um, so I just want to talk a little bit about the criticism of him and his offense. One of the biggest things I see on Twitter is he he runs a high school offense. It's boring. It's vanilla. Everybody looks the same in it. Um, what is the what does the film say? Is is it a high school offense or is it execution? What what's the problems? I'd say any team in high school running that type of offense would be quite advanced. Maybe Medina with <laughs> with Drew Aller there a little bit ago, but uh, um, no, I mean I think that the way I would label it right now, uh, I've kind of tried to put this as a as a real angle for where I'm at on Kevin because I've been an ardent Kevin defender for a long time. Like I have believed in him as. Um, you know, as a leader and a, and, a, and a guy who could produce results, give his guys a chance. But we're reaching a sort of boiling point where I think the the structure of what he's doing is lagging behind, which sounds pretty simplistic to say. But, you know, the NFL shifted in about 2012, shifted as Kyle and Shanahan and McVay and all those guys, LaFleur and Mike McDaniel, were, were coaching underneath, um, you know, the – McVeigh, or sorry, the Shanahan's father. Uh, this this stuff started to become really popular. Wide zone and all of the stuff off of wide zone became a, a popular staple of of NFL concepts, right? So um, this spread through the league. It's been a decade. It's run its course. You know, it got really popular in the in the 16, 17, 18. You saw Matt Ryan win an MVP with with this structure. Like it can benefit players. It can benefit a quarterback. It can make things simple, defined, and uh, easy to produce results. Not easy, but just it's um it's like training wheels is the thing I've always heard, and I think that's pretty fair. So I think what's happened here is that as Stefanski learned, the one offensive system that he was really exposed to during his time with Gary Kubiak in Minnesota, it started to become like, what else does Kevin know? And the NFL has seen this stuff for a decade, decade and a half, longer, right, where they, I mean, you know, you're talking like half the league guys are running this. You're seeing this almost everywhere over the course of a decade for, you know, teams in some form or fashion. And the defenses are just better at defending it. The defenses are taking away what used to be a, a gigantic luxury of this offense, which is a chance to pursue explosive plays. If you look across the league, explosive play rate is down. The Browns are chasing explosive plays that they can't find. Their top 10 and 20 yard air throw attempts yet second worst in the NFL in terms of completion number of those that have actually hit so I think what's going on here is the NFL is caught up to the structure of offense that get that, that Kevin Stefanski is comfortable using they've seen it they've gotten used to it it's just a part of you know the way the the the, the fiber of the NFL at this point and a lot of the smarter minds are adapting away from it and you know if you look at the teams like again those those names I've already said McVay Shanahan they're going away from heavy dosages of under center play action, doing different things. You know, the last I checked, San Francisco is bottom five in the league in under center play action. I think the Rams were near the 20th number there. So, like, it's pretty obvious to me the NFL is working away from it because defenses are really good at defending it. And I don't think I've seen any ability from Kevin to adapt and, and evolve the principal core philosophy of what that offense is, which is based in wide zone structure. Um, what comes from that in the run game. And again, you can get away with this with Nick Chubb because Nick is one of one. He's extremely special. And even if teams play it right, there's a chance Nick has a cut that nobody sees or bounces off a tackle. You've witnessed it, right? So, you know, there's this this way of, oh, we can continue to get away with this because 
we have this generation's best running back, but eventually that comes to a halt. And we've seen it come to a halt this year. And, you know, I've got some things I'm putting together in terms of writing things up, but the Browns are uh, among the bottom 10 teams in the NFL this year and plays run plays that are uh, having a, a zero or negative yard rush attached to them. So they're, they're very boomer bust in their run game. And that's creating too many third and longs. And as we know, they don't have an answer for third and long right now. So like long story short, cause I could talk on this forever. They're just stuck in an offensive structure that I think the NFL has moved past in terms of a way to consistently find success and I think the adaptation to the to the next layer of that evolving, changing is something Kevin is struggling with. And I think that's why when you watch, you feel like everything is so disjointed, if that makes sense. If you're in Ohio, Browns fans, DraftKings has upped their sign-up offer to kick off this football season. New users can place a $5 first bet to instantly claim $200 in bonus bets. Plus, get up to $150 back in bonus bets if your team loses. All you have to do is sign up with our code, the dogs, all one word. Using our code, the dogs, not only gets you these great bonuses, it also supports this podcast. So if you have been considering signing up for DraftKings, make sure you use the code, the dogs, to maximize your first bets. This offer is only available for new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in Ohio. Please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer to see if you qualify yeah do you think so do you think some of his do you think he's an unwillingness to adapt or do you think it's a a, a skill gap or, or knowledge gap do you think he was leaning you know you have the pressure of having nick chubb you know in the fan base we what we heard all year last year was give nick chubb the ball 20 times and it's a guaranteed win you know so was there pressure to to stay with that with nick chubb and then as soon as Nick Chubb goes down, which obviously we didn't like to see, and, and we we it seemed like we were more open in that Titans game. I don't know. Um, and then we had one great offensive game, and then Deshaun goes down. So do you think he can adapt? Do you think, or do you think he, he's going to be unwilling to once he gets a healthy Deshaun back and he doesn't have Nick Chubb to lean on? Um, good question. I don't think I think I've grown to believe that it's less an unwillingness because it's so obvious guys that I have to think there's just an inability here to do it. And and that sounds pretty callous, but I, I don't know how you could look at what they're doing from a coach's perspective and feel comfortable with what they're doing. So I have to think that there's just an uncomfortable vibe for Kevin here that he doesn't exactly know how to apply. He tried to hire Bill Musgrave. He's tried to do some things, but I, I just um, I I, I what, what evidence do we have, fellas? We have I have the vibe of what the old offense was, which I thought it was going to evolve to more inside zone RPO based stuff, branching off of that to what I thought were endless possibilities with a quarterback who can move, um, and and what we've found is a very similar structure, one that is tied into what Kevin knows best, and like I I've also mentioned this too. You know, when when Deshaun debuted back with the Browns in in week 12 of last year, I was so encouraged because he put together a game plan that was really similarly done to what Deshaun was doing in his Texans days, which was this RPI. It's a a concept called reflat wheel, which is really, uh, it kind of swept the league, I would say, a little while back, two years ago. But 
from that read flat wheel, there was a bunch of options for a mobile quarterback to create downfield for his guys if he was able to pull up, which could also hand it off and run inside zone with Nick, which I'm like, all right, that's that should be pretty simplistic, right? Brendan Butter, you can you can actually give that football off to Nick and you got a lot of good options. And they did it a lot. That he did it like seven times in that game. And I was like, all right, this is the future of what they're going to be. The the whole iPad and, you know, being excited to get together. They're going to evolve this thing. Kevin's going to get away from a lot of what he's been. His coaching tree is going to branch out. Maybe they go hire somebody this offseason. Maybe they go after somebody from the Philly tree with Steichen and Gannon. Um, sorry, not Gannon. He's the D.C., but uh, head coach whose name is escaping my mind right now. Those two kind of uh, – Sirianni, right? They they run together. They've done a great job. I mean, look at what the, the Colts have been able to do with Gardner Minshew for large chunks of the year. But they have not gone down that path. Like, I watched the preseason opener, saw a lot of inside zone, and they were running it effectively. And when they've run it this season from the gun, they're one of the better gun run teams in yards per carry, but they have just failed to evolve in a way, in my opinion – that they should have. Now Nick is down. They haven't evolved. Maybe they come out of the bye, guys. Maybe they have done some of these things and they're going to start applying them. But to the root of your question, at this point, I don't think you can look at I don't know how the Browns would look at it and feel like we don't know the answer. I mean, I'm an idiot. I, I'm a genuine idiot. And I'm sitting behind a computer screen most of the time, and I can I can see the issue. I can see what needs to be fixed, right? I mean, again, you have guys in your in your guard center, guard structure, who can handle this stuff in terms of inside zone work and double teams climbing to the second level. Your tackles can handle that. Your running backs need less lateral movement. They need more north-south um, movement in their structure. And, like, again, to me, it's just it's a little bit crazy that they haven't applied this in a way that I think is meaningful for them, and especially because it was such a huge part of what Deshaun was good at in his his Houston days was applying that inside zone and the answers off of that that I think are unique, right? So um, I'm not overly optimistic they're going to fix it. If they don't, then I start to have questions about whether this is the long-term answer because we're talking a full offseason with with Watson and the the ability here to adapt and apply these things. So I, I'm less certain than I've ever been, guys, not to be too negative on your show, but there's not a doubt in my mind here that they can do it. It's just a matter of do they want to? Do they believe in it? Or is it the regimented style that he wants to play and he's going to try to play that way no matter what? Well, and that's kind of where I've been at this whole season with the offense. And, you know, I don't do the film breakdown or understand the schemes and all that thing kind of thing like you do. Um, but just from a Browns fan perspective watching the games, I keep saying on the shows that I just – the offense to me just kind of feels weird. I don't know how else to explain it. It just almost feels a little forced. Sometimes they run plays and I'm just like, what are what are they actually trying to accomplish here? And I and you know, me and Blake go back and forth on is it execution, is it play calling? It almost feels sometimes like they're trying to use Deshaun Watson in ways that he's not comfortable, in ways that maybe Jacoby Brissett last year was more comfortable. I don't know. I mean, can you kind of elaborate on a little bit of that as far as the personnel and the way they're being used in in the offense? I think that there are times, guys, when I, again, I'm not a body language doctor here, but I think there are times where I don't feel like there's conviction from those running the plays that these are going to work. And when that attitude trickles into their play, I think you start to see the ramifications of that, which is a lack of effort at times, right? A lack of belief leads to a lack of focus, uh, again at times so like I I just 
I'm trying to be delicate with it because it is a very <laughs> tricky thing. And you don't know, right? I'm not in the coach's office and right. in the locker room. And I, so I really don't know. But what I can tell you is I think what you have to do, guys, is keep defenses on their heels. If you let NFL defenses play over their toes because they know when you're in a specific look, you're going to probably run this 80% of the time. When you're in this look, you're probably going to run this a high percentage of the time. And I'm telling you, defenses are keen on what they think they're the Browns are going to do, and they're right more often than not. And when the Browns do try to play some elaborate game with a play action of some variety, they are they're being they're they're covering it. Put it that way. There's nothing that teams are not prepared for. Now the the bust against the Titans was just a weird cover for miscommunication that, that I don't know what the corner it was just a it was just a vertical route from Amari so it's not like it was anything fancy right so I I mean they're not finding a ton of schemed open players so I think again if defenses are able to play very much over their toes which I think again we can all agree that that is the case right now um and from that there's not a really great process of sequencing what I mean by that is running plays that set up other plays uh, if you don't have that element to it either, guys, then it starts to get even tougher. So, um, you know, we talk about why why do they feel so disjointed? They feel disjointed because, I, again, don't feel like they have a real identity. And if you don't have an identity, I think it's pretty easy to see why, um, you know, you're struggling to pick up simple yards, right? You know, I, I, I don't think it goes much beyond that where, they're not like, okay, if the Browns' identity is to be under center and that's the root of their play action, when you get a specific look from the gun, you're not going to pay much attention to that gun run, right? Like, they don't run inside zone from the gun, so why do I care if they flash fake to the running back? It's not a serious threat, right? So I'm just saying, like, if you don't have an identity that ties into where the modern game is pushing play action to shoot big plays, like if you go watch, I wrote it up because I kind of get a kick out of watching the rest of the league. I put up some schemes that are pretty popular. They were popular in the bye week. That I would just, you know, just picked a couple that I'd love to see the Browns implement. Like the Bengals, I'm sure everybody's seen Jamar Chase hit that long touchdown ball. Like that's just a gun lateral, um, you know, outside zone look. And the Cardinals are in cover two. And when they, you run cover two, you have a middle runner. The Mike backer usually chases D middle. And he can't get there because he's sniffing out the run because the Bengals do run wide zone from the gun he takes one brief step the wrong direction and jamar chase is running down the middle of the field so like i think that the thing that they have to do is get their get their um run game again to the point that it mirrors the passing game which is what kevin wanted to do it's what he's tried to do and he's had success at times but i feel like they're lost in trying to do it right now and thus again creates all of these opportunities um, for defenses to play a really aggressive fashion and and be able to to take things away from. So, um, well, that is discouraging. But <laughs> I, um, I guess what I've def- when I've defended him after the Ravens game, I guess my whole point was the guys were two and two. There's no reason to punt on the season. And the dude, I I always say it's almost a miracle that he has an above 500 win percentage considering he coached 11 games with Jacoby Brissett last year and he coached a season with Baker Mayfield who couldn't throw a football because of, for whatever reason, his shoulder. And so the fact that we even stayed afloat is what, I guess, has encouraged me at times. Yeah. Um, But I will say I watched the film breakdowns and it seems like we do have guys open or things are 
are there if we block race. So is there also like the execution, which you just touched on a little bit. I feel like that's also lacking. Like guys that we used to count on, they're not, they're not playing at the level that they, they have in the past. Yeah. It's never one thing when your offense is the bottom of the NFL, it's never one thing. And, um, listen, the offensive line hasn't been anywhere near good enough. Like, like, I mean, we, we all like to kind of pride ourselves on what we think the Browns offensive line is, but they're among the bottom third of the NFL right now. They're not run blocking well enough. They're telling it too many times that they have two guys on one um, missing a single important block, which leads to a leak out, right? A guy can get through and blow up a run scheme. Um, you know, I think that they're not protecting well enough in one-on-one isolation situations for, for me. So that hasn't been good because they have missed some plays where I feel like they could, you know, make something happen, but they're a guy who gets a pressure into the quarterback's face. You know, take an example again, if you guys, if you want to harken back to, uh, you know, the, the most recent one with Baltimore, they ran that little Harrison Bryant flip back to the quarterback throw, but there's a Ethan Postage gives up a late pressure and Dorian Thompson Robinson can't step into it. And thus, I mean, they got a flag out of it, but it could have been a huge play if the quarterback could drive and step into it. Like, it's just happening too often, right? And, and again, I feel like there are stretches of good quarterback play in this offense, but too often it has been um, inconsistent quarterback play. And, and you can say, and I've said this a lot, guys. I've said, hey, man, there's people open. There are people open everywhere at times. Times there are. Um, if you can't get your quarterback to consistently find those answers, then, you know, fair or unfair, it does arrive in your lap. Like, there's just, it's a make-or-miss league. You know, for lack of a better term, and if you can't hit it, then eventually, you know, you're not going to make it. So, yeah, I mean, there's layers to all of this. They're not getting good enough play from their, you know, their offensive line. Like I said, the running backs, that whole thing throws a huge wrinkle into this, guys, where, you know, Nick can take a play that's going to go, and maybe it's the perfect setup. You can get eight yards out of it. He makes it 48, right? Like, Nick can yeah. make things that, you know, this drive had no business continuing, but he makes a specific play and creates something that's not there. And and when you lose that, it starts to open up the mar or sorry, tighten up the margin for error. Um and, and what it does is put you in all of these situations that are very condensed. And now all of a sudden instead of popping that one run for an explosive, we have nothing, right? We haven't been able to create anything. And from that inability to create anything, you start to run into these third and eights. And you can't find answers. So, like, it's just it's a it's a multi, it's a layered thing. I don't think obviously they went into the season thinking they wouldn't have Nick Chubb, right? Like, right. They they planned accordingly for that, but like, they're they're sitting in a situation now where the lack of planning has now put them in a position to be exposed, right? And and this exposure that they've left themselves vulnerable to here, it, it requires fixing the scheme to create more um, confusion in the defense. And again, it comes down to like. Do you want to do that? And if you don't want to do that or are not willing to to bite, you know, bite the grenade on that and, and maybe have a couple of rough games as you build toward a more cohesive product, then it's never going to work. That's the thing I've been bummed about. They came out in that Texans game and they were very different, very adaptive, very forward thinking in what I thought they would be with Deshaun Watson. And ever since then, guys, they've gone in reverse. And then we've seen it this year. If you lose the ability that Nick Chubb brings to the table, which is you know, I can take something chaotic and I can make something out of it to continue drives. Drives go from, you know, six plays to, to 12 plays because he makes one person miss in space or two people, sometimes even three. 
um, you know, when that happens, you start to say, okay, where's our answer? And if our answer isn't in one of our Jimmy's or Joe's making a play like that, the scheme has to be able to help with it. And I just, again, don't think they have adapted themselves to a place that is confusing modern NFL defenses, right? If this was 2017, they, they'd they be fine. They would be fine. I really think that. But this is not. This is 2023 where defenses have been exposed to this across the NFL. And if you're not doing different, unique things that make defenses think, it's adapt or die. It really is. And I had tweeted that just the other night. Like, if you're not willing to adapt, change, and become varied in your approach, yeah, that's what makes teams like Philly so hard to cover, man, is they're so varied in their approach. And it's like, there's just a lack of willingness to do that. And I, I kind of am, I'm, that's the thing I'm most disappointed. It doesn't mean that, that Kevin's losing his job and it doesn't mean I'm going on shows or talking to you guys about him losing his job, but this is the biggest reason I'm concerned that he's not the long-term answer because when you spend this much time with Deshaun, you know, I had thought that they would take their growing pains at the end of last season, but there was an unwillingness to do that. So now you're coming into this season, and again, they're unwilling to do that. And it's like, well, when are you guys ever going to to adapt here? Because what you're running is, again, not to, to beat a dead horse here, but it is something from, from a time gone by. And it's like, other than throwing a couple trick plays out there to see what sticks, like they're not doing enough things here to make – life difficult on these defenses so that's why you're seeing you're talking about why does everything feel so hard well i'm telling you because the defense is making it hard because the defense knows exactly what is coming (laughs) they they have a great feel for what is coming so um you know i again they have enough talent guys to solve this to fix it to do some things that make them still plenty good enough to win eight nine i mean you know can they get to 10 wins yeah but it's going to take some adaptation and obviously the big thing that looms over all of this is whether the quarterback is ever going to be right to do it again so there's that element this episode is brought to you by omaha steaks browns fans fall is in the air and that means we're looking forward to crisp mornings falling leaves and more sweater weather more importantly you gotta get the best meats for your tailgates for your outdoor cookouts this fall Just to kind of put the bad taste of the Browns game out of your mouth, get the great taste of Omaha Steaks coming in. Omaha Steaks has all your fall cravings covered with 50% off site-wide during the semi-annual sale. That's 50% off all your favorite tender, juicy, extra-aged steaks like their Butcher's Cut Filet Mignons. Go to omahasteaks.com right now. Use code DOGS, D-A-W-G-S, when you check out, and you get an additional $30 off your order. With Omaha Steaks, the possibilities are endless. You get endless flavor, endless value, incredible entrees, scrumptious size, decadent desserts, and just so much more. All of it, 50% off right now during the semi-annual sale. Every bite is backed by their 100% unconditional guarantee. And like I said, you get $30 off your order when you use promo code DOGS, D-A-W-G-S, at checkout. My freezer constantly stocked with Omaha Steaks food. It is the best. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Go to omahasteaks.com right now. Shop all of these delicious favorites for half the price. Get 50% off plus $30 extra off your order when you use promo code DOGS at checkout. Get to omahasteaks.com right now because this sale is only for a limited time. Minimum purchase may apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. 
And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So the a big thing I hear about in in Stefanski detractors is that uh, they want AVP to call the plays. Do you think? What's the evidence, man? Like, what's that's, the evidence? That's what, that's what you I guys, you guys, tell me what is uh, what tangible thing has Alex Van Pelt done since he's been around? I would it love to know the playoff game, and I have to that, remind yeah. you that after the Steelers gave us four turnovers, we didn't score many points, and we just hung on for dear life. We'll also think that guess who was heavily involved in the game plan, making up things that they were going to use in that game. Yep. Right? Like, you think Kevin was just, like, not involved in any of the game planning <laughs> for that game? Like, that's just laughable. It's, it's just, again, that's people that don't understand how the game works trying to apply, yeah. you know, what they want to use as justification for certain things. So, I mean, again, it is um, – I, I – I, <laughs> I don't know how you can watch what's going on here and feel like you have this feel for Alex Van Pelt as a coach, as a, as a play caller. They don't. The thing that amazes me is all of their important offensive minds are on the sideline. You know, Callahan's on the sideline, AVP's on the sideline. I'm pretty sure O'Shea's on the sideline. We know Kevin is. Like, who's up top transferring information? And that's always been something that sort of mystified me a little bit about their their process of figuring out solutions in game and I, again I'm an, I'm an idiot here I'm not trying to like scrutinize everything but there are questions that I would ask about how are you guys I mean are you are you relying on getting your your game adjustments from somebody you know like a like a staffer like who who's giving you hey we see this we see that I mean get, maybe they have a guru up there maybe Musgrave sitting up there right now and and giving I just like watch a lot of competent play callers getting their sourcing on 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 adjustments and different things from from up top and you know that's another element too i just i feel like at times the process is broken and um there's a little bit of like cross your fingers going on here instead of taking the punch to the defense it too often to me feels like it's 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 we'll, we'll just call this play and hope for the best outcome instead of Hey, we ran this to get to this, right? Or mm-hmm. this first quarter play is going to dictate the look that we get in this third quarter play. That is a huge moment for us. So, I, uh, I, you know, there's been a couple moments. I thought the Jerome Ford touchdown was a really nice design and play call based on scouting of what Tennessee does to motion empty. So I, I really gave them a lot of credit for that. And and uh, Stefanski talked about that being his assistant coaches that sort of drove that. Um, that play design and play call, and, and again, credit to them for that. But there have not been very many guys where I'm sitting there like, you know, this is just a – like if you go watch, for example, if you go watch the Lions, what Ben Johnson's doing almost every play, you're like, my goodness, this is – it's actually kind of amazing that this is the look that they're getting so consistently. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Again, I, I'm not trying to – ask for people's jobs i've just been using my voice my podcast my 
um, you know, whatever football knowledge I have to just say, I, I have concerns about the longevity of the operation here making sense for everybody involved, right? I think Kevin is, um, he's the right temperament of a, a play, I love a head coach that I like. I think he's very even keeled. He's not a screamer. I like a lot of things Kevin does. I just worry about the um, the prospect of him being the long-term play caller that we thought he could be. And at times I thought he could be, which is a bummer because we thought there was a solution here for a long time. So um, it's not to say he can't accept the challenge and go hire some smart people. We obviously know that they had a pretty smart person in the building in Petsing, right? Who's clearly doing some nice things for Arizona, creating run lanes for that group that are unique, right? Among the best in the NFL at, at uh, you know, yards before contact, stuff like that. And that's like a bummer that you've seen Petsing now leave. Can he create people around him, guys, who will challenge the status quo and, and, and say, hey, we need to be doing this differently, thinking about this differently uh, in a way that brings out the best and the personnel and the, and the play caller, right? I, I think that there's a, um, you never want to do that, right? You never want to force. We've seen that happen too many times in the NFL where you force a marriage, you force somebody to hire, um, you know, force somebody to yeah. hire a coordinator. You never like that arranged marriage stuff. We watched it with Hugh and Todd Haley up close and, you know, we've seen it. It's been across the NFL. It's not like it's isolated here to the Browns, but I, I do think there's a world where that he could have an offensive coordinator make it work. But again, how how stuck to him are they? Do they like him like that, right? I think that's an important thing to ask if they if they think he's worth that continued investment, right? So a um, lot of layers to it, guys. But, but I think Kevin's the right guy. Just don't know if there's going to be patience to allow him to fix what's going on offensively. If he's not the guy, can he go to Jimmy Haslam and say, I'm not getting it done. Let me hire. You let me hire a DC last year. Let me hire an OC this year and we'll get it right. I don't know if that patience is there after four years, if they say go nine and eight and miss the playoffs. So there's just so much pressure in the second half of this season. That's uh, the understatement of the year, right? Yeah, that's been my biggest thing with Kevin is I, I, I'm like you. I like him as a head coach. I think he's, I think he's a good head coach. Now, as terms of like taking on all the play calling and the offensive coordinating responsibilities, I don't know how that's going to play out for him. But if it doesn't work, it's going to fall back on him and he could risk losing his head coaching job over that. So I like your suggestion there. I like your point about, you know, maybe trying to find an offensive mind to come in and take that part over so he can just focus on what he's doing. Because you're seeing, you saw it with uh, Joe Woods last year on the defense, a lot of the guys looking around confused. You saw the miscommunication and they just didn't believe in what was going on. And now, unfortunately, like you referenced earlier, we are seeing some of that sign or body language from the offensive guys now. It is, man. And and look, they can fix this. It can it can it can be done. You know, it's this is not a half hour negativity hour here, but right. but it is going to take, like, it's going to take a lot of outside the box and uncomfortable thinking from the head coach. It's going to take a similar amount of. Um, player uh, commitment to changing it and I again I don't know if they have that we'll see that's going to be the challenge because if they go into the second half of this season uh, or second third because it's so early on a bye week um, if they if they don't and they continue to try to you know uh, perform the definition of insanity here then then we're going to have a lot of tough conversations because they're 
they're just not going to score, guys. They're they're really not going to score unless they unless they start to change their identity, which is not easy. It's not easy to do in season, but I, I have to think that the pieces of that sort of decision were at least considered, discussed, and and can be adapted on the fly a little bit. At least I hope. I hope for the sake of Browns fans who want to watch a winner that that sort of stuff can can happen. It it, it really can. It's not like guys haven't played inside zone before. It's not like guys haven't done, you know, a lot of these things. It's just a matter of like making it who you're about on that side of the ball again and, and seeing if you can apply it to game situations and create opportunities off of it. So that's the way I would put it. Well, I really hope Stefanski figures it out. I hope he, because that means the Browns had a good season. So if he's here next year, I would assume that means that he figured things out. He did things um he adapted start doing some of these things we want to see uh if he doesn't the guy ben johnson from detroit is definitely a guy I have he's he's doing some good things up there so that's an, a name to keep an eye on hopefully we don't need to but i was happy you, you mentioned his name because that's somebody who, who i'm a big fan of um well we told you we'd get you out of here by 7 10 we're four minutes late i don't want <laughs> you to get in trouble with the wife so we'll go ahead and wrap this thing up i know what trouble with the wife is like and i don't want to put that on anybody uh we, again, we appreciate you taking time to do this with us tonight. I think it was really good to kind of get a, an in-depth look at the offense a little bit during the bye week. Um, but again, we appreciate you doing this. We can't wait to have you back on sometime, and uh, thanks, man. Yeah, my, my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, that was a really good breakdown of what the Browns uh, got going on offense this year. Kind of discouraging. Uh, he sounds mildly optimistic that we can fix it. Hopefully we can. Hopefully we get this thing turned around after the bye week once Deshaun gets healthy. Uh, once again, we want to thank Jake for being here with us, breaking down everything going on with the Browns offense. It was super awesome. We can take time out of his day and join us. Uh, super nice guy. Make sure you guys go check him out on Twitter and YouTube. He does a lot of great stuff. Um, so go check him out. Say hello. And uh, once again, thank you guys for being here with us. We will see you guys. We preview the Niners later this week. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Dogs Podcast. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and follow us on Twitter at The Dogs Podcast. Get your thoughts on the show at thedogspodcast.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.